I'm Maura Keeping. I'm Emily O'Connell. And this is the Not Manal Lesbian Plus podcast. So on the show today we have Lisa Connell, who is Managing Editor of GCN and Co-Organiser of The Copenhagen Mother. So welcome to the show, Lisa. Hi, thank you so much for inviting me on. So yeah, I guess a good place to start would be maybe how you got into those roles and a bit about your background. Um, yep. Yeah. So I have worked for GCN for nearly a decade, um, which is really fun and exciting. Um, and it's kind of one of those jobs where I started in one role and um, I just kind of stuck around and kept doing different things. And also because it's a small uh, business, but a really robust one, it allowed me to learn and, and move into different areas. So I started as a distribution manager. Then I was selling ads then I was running events um and then uh kind of just kept 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 on and now since January of this year I've been the managing editor which is my dream job and it's very (laughs) exciting um and then mother is a co-production between GCN myself and Cormac Cashman um who is a great and wonderful uh, promoter in the city and it mother exists because um when the recession hit in Ireland, GCN had a really t- like struggled a lot. So we had to diversify in order to survive. And Mother was born out of that necessity. We needed money. We needed funding. And we also liked going out and dancing with our friends. So we said, yeah, two birds, why yeah. don't? <laughs> exactly. Um, so we set up uh, Mother um, on a Saturday night um, as, a, as a sort of at the time, there wouldn't have been as many alternative nights. So you mm. could do co- quite a mainstream gay night but there wouldn't have been much um if you were you know like disco or electro so that's where it got its beginnings and it has been going strong ever since um which i'm really happy and proud of um we have a really big annual pride party and this Bobby summer yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and this summer uh, we, it, the, the pride party was the biggest it's ever been this year and we moved to the beautiful collins barracks and this summer we also um crazily and madly um had our first music festival which was love oh, sensation yeah. so it's been quite the year gosh yeah <laughs> yeah um but yeah so i suppose you kind of juggle then organizing a club night and organizing a magazine which mm-hmm. i suppose is probably um very different skill sets but yeah. yeah yeah and i suppose as well um gcn so gay community news um it's kind of been like a part of the Irish like LGBT scene for years. Like how long mm. has it been on the go? Uh, so uh, this year it's 31 years I'm counting. Um, last year we celebrated our 30th year in publishing. So the magazine was founded in 1988. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just uh, it's such I'm so incredibly proud and glad to see it kind of it's weathered lots of different storms and it's I was going to say it's one of the like only probably staple mainstream things Irish gay culture has yeah yeah. I mean we've been incredibly lucky in that it has had you know um, so there's a team um, of people uh, that work with me and, and we work all together to produce the magazine run the website run the events but it also has um, you know, we have a board of directors who run the company um, and kind of shepherd it and mind it. And then there's also all of the different kind of community um, folks who have, you know, people who have uh, people who subscribe or people who come to our events and spend money. And so it's kind of it's supported 
by so many different people that that's I I believe that's why it survived because if it was just a commercial enterprise or if it was just one thing I don't think it would have survived but because it is you know it's a community resource first and foremost and we the people who run it and the people who work on it um really really feel that very passionately we feel that you know it it must always be free it must always be reflecting the community it must always be hopefully being as cool and cutting edge and fun as it as it can um and so that sort of that's keeps it interesting and keeps it going because if it wasn't I guess if it wasn't doing that people wouldn't read it and then we wouldn't exist so yeah yeah and I suppose what's great about it as well is like it's probably one of the most like visible publications as well like you see it around town you see it in like you know street or places like that or outhouse and it's just it's like a connector to all these different places then so all these different pockets of the community like that you can kind of see it around um and yeah, and I remember someone was telling me a story recently that when they first came out that like one of their parents, like lesbian friends, gave them a copy of GCN to I be like, know. you know, this will like help you find your community and stuff. And like the fact that it's a publication and yeah, it is paper, but it has like a special place that like mm. no other kind of magazine or newspaper really has. Oh, yeah, totally. And I mean, I um, I came out a long time ago um, uh, and when so when I first moved to Dublin um, because I used to live in Belfast and there wasn't I mean I we'd have to fact check, check this and I'm not sure but I don't believe there was a queer publication in Belfast when I was living there there may yeah. have been and I just didn't you know it didn't kind of enter my my sphere so when I first moved to Dublin um, I was completely delighted to find that there was an LGBT magazine like I couldn't I was like oh my god what is this and then so I would go every month I would go as well, the fact that it's a magazine you'd really a lot of times I find associate magazines with being the pinnacle of promoting um sort of patriarchal <laughs> misogynistic culture like when you think of magazines you yeah. think of like walking into Easton's and seeing yeah yeah, yeah. it's a very different uh, yeah. vibe yeah. yeah yeah exactly and so I was you know a much much younger LGBT person and I was it was um really amazing to see a sort of a diversity and to, and to also when you move somewhere it's a way GCN is a way for new LGBT people to understand the scene the context where am I what can I do who's around what kind of people yeah. are there for me to meet um, and obviously when I was you know going to IFI I didn't have a smartphone and I didn't have the internet and so it was a really it was all the more I mean it's vital now but can you imagine it, it was it was so so vital then because we were you know it was still a, a pretty analog world yeah so that the magazine was the way you understood or find out what was going on whereas now obviously everyone has a tiny tiny baby computer in their hands um it's one of those things as well that for such um I don't think it would have survived if it didn't change with the time so much as mm-hmm. well. Because obviously when it first began in the late 80s, I remember, I think I was talking to Patricia Carey before, who's a lesbian who used to run a load of club nights and stuff like that, would say that GCN wouldn't have featured a lot of lesbian content. It would have been primarily for gay men or just general sort of gay events that were going on mm. would be promoted in it. Whereas 
I feel now it's very inclusive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. And, it, and, and you know, there's so much, we're a charity and there's so much to be done every day. And when, you know, everyone's getting maybe a little overexcited and there's, you know, more work than you can possibly even think about, we kind of try and go back and kind of come back to an idea of like, why are we doing this? Who's it for? What's it for? And when we think about that, then we go, you know, actually, this is for our community. It's about the community, but it's by the community as well. So there has to be a diversity. There has to be an inclusive, like it can't just be one type of LGBT or any of the letters on their own because then it wouldn't work. Um, so we really, you know, and, and the, t- the team that are up there now, um, you know, we, we really want every every possible type of queer person to at least feel that they you know that they can see themselves a little bit in it in the pages of it and if you know if if people don't please get in touch and tell us and say I'd like to see more of this because that's the way we will know to 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 commission a writer to do that or commission a photographer to to go out and take photos but to to go back to what you were saying it is actually a testament to so many different people across time who did keep it going and and move it and say okay now we have to be a little bit commercial for a minute or and even just keeping up with broader media and publishing and you know for example when we rebranded two years ago um we knew it was time to sort of you know, look at all the elements. And at that point, we really put a lot of time and effort and money into our website. And we now have a really great website that's like super busy every day. Our social media presence and and kind of traffic is... you you post all of your articles online. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and that's a really important area of growth for us because we understand that in terms of if you are um, a, a healthy media organization, you have to have a busy website and you have to um, be up to date because if you aren't, you know, because also in terms of LGBT uh, news and and kind of analysis, um, a reader in Dublin has uh, 7,000 options, you know, yeah. again, with the phone, they can be on, you know, one of many or, 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 or endless amounts of LGBT media outlets. So we've got to kind of, that's good. It keeps us on our toes. You know, it's like you can't, we would never be complacent and say, well, we're, you know, we're Ireland's LGBT press because, you know, people can be on out and all the other. Like, yeah, yeah. I suppose even just things like Twitter, people can tweet about these things yeah, or right, directly, right. like just share things. So it's good to kind of have like a kind of a, an outlet that's sort of established in that as well and then also be having and complementing the sort of unofficial yeah, uh, right. version of events and that yeah mm-hmm. and yeah and I suppose as well um, like when you started like 31 years ago I suppose that was probably a very different so- kind of social context as well like I think was had decriminalisation come in yet or no so yeah, yeah. decriminalisation didn't happen until 1993 yeah. um, and in, eight, in 19, 1988 excuse me um, you know uh, the magazine was co-founded by Tony Walsh who is uh, obviously m- m- much, Tony much loved <laughs> uh, national treasure that he is um, and and uh, uh, another person called Catherine Glendon um, Catherine sadly um, passed away um, uh, quite tragically just before um, GCN was finally published um, so but 
you know, that's something I think is so powerful when I think about our history, the fact that it was a lesbian and a gay man who set up this press. And actually, you know, one of their motivators was the fact that no, none of the mainstream media would report on what was happening for LGBT folk or gay, gay and lesbian uh, people. And so it was born out of a need for queer people to talk to other queer people and also to just say what is happening for our community and to, to talk about that and to also activism. That's so relevant though because like you're saying like so you can be on your phone and there's loads of different um, LGBT media outlets that we can get from different countries all the type of stuff but they are all still LGBT led there's still like mainstream press still doesn't really like wouldn't be focusing on sort of news or reporting on what's happening in the community because I suppose not why would they but like it's just never been that way and that's I don't think I think it's always going to be up to us to represent ourselves mm-hmm. yeah. well also and and something I think um and and really again would be very hopeful that GCN is doing well I believe we are you know LGBT media um we are best placed to tell our stories as well because if you if you read something in now a lot of journalists do really great work in mainstream media we're not the only people doing it but I guess the the great thing about GCN as a platform is that we pride ourselves on making sure we are using inclusive careful language that we report things sensitively that we don't for example particularly with the website and this is a real pet peeve of mine really avoiding clickbait or avoiding positioning a story in a salacious way Mm. um because also you know unfortunately we we know you know the team that work day to day up there a lot of lgbt news is not good news you know there's a lot of particularly for our you know our, our family globally there's a lot of struggle still and that that reporting that can be really difficult as well because you're you're not you know it's not I suppose the, what they, what do they say it's not good news but um, yeah so just sort of it's great for us because it keeps us on top of our game in terms of is is this the best way we can report this because also our readers are brilliant and they hold us to a higher standard as well you know like if they have a problem with something they'll talk to us and I really welcome that because I think it should be an open kind of two-way I mean, street. There's no other way to solve a problem, really. Right, of course. Um, so yeah, yeah. I think uh, in saying like that, a lot of LGBT news is bad news, as well. It it can be harder then for LGBT people themselves to report on that, but also it does kind of stop that sort of fetishization is that the right word or like yeah kind of the whole like look how tragic the life of the gays is or like something, we've you talked know? about it's this like, before yeah, like with yeah. Gerontania and with Kira and, and the way that our sort of narratives are portrayed in media mm-hmm. of all yeah. types it's like straight so, people love to be like oh like look how hard it is for them and then just go off and just like not do anything to help whereas mm-hmm. at least if we tell our own stories we can be like but it's also yeah. uh, how hilariously a lot of um, and I mean this really respectfully and but like you know a lot of people who get most emotional about Marge Marref or the the vote and the referendum are not LGBT folk so actually you'll get a bigger reaction often from someone's mom or you know than than necessarily the LGBT person because I guess we know as LGBT people that that was a very complicated and you know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't without its trauma and it wasn't without its problems. Um, the fact that it was a vote, 
as a very basic kind of starting point whereas non-queer people don't really understand that nuance they think oh my god it was a success and look it was a success obviously we changed Ireland for the better we moved some stuff along and you know um, the flip of, of my other point is you know we did have this massive national conversation yeah. about acceptance and difference. having your rights debated on like national TV yeah, 24-7 which like, is yeah. you know the pits like not not fun at all um but yeah in terms of yes and and that's again why I say GCN we work really hard not to fetishize or not to um play into any sort of lazy stereotype about any type of person really trying to work against and what we do actually the way we counterbalance that is that we make sure to report good news so when something awesome happens um when link do something great or you know when the gay project in cork has a new you know what i mean so we really keep the keep the sort of uh breath of reporting um mixed in order that people aren't just kind of completely overwhelmed with like here are five terrible tragic stories in a row you know Um, even just the fact that your most recent issue like the theme was like love and marriage and like weddings like it's just you know there's like that element and even if it isn't news exactly like it's outsides of our community we want to be able to see Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think I read an article recently about um stories of different like same-sex proposals which is just really nice like yeah. you know and it wasn't exactly hard-hitting this is what's happening in the world today but it was still just really lovely to read like yeah yeah um so I suppose just things like that like you don't want it to all be about doom and gloom and mm. fight for our rights well you know? also yeah. because as we know that just sometimes being yourself is is the sort of the most powerful activism or advocacy you can be doing in the mm. world because yeah. you're being true to yourself and you're being you know proud and out and and so yeah it, it allows us and I love that it's so one of the kind of more recent uh, lines we've been using about ourselves is reflecting queer life in Ireland and I like that idea of kind of that we are just a conduit or a way for if anybody was to just arrive in the country that they could pick up a magazine or go onto the website or come to one of our events and really quickly have a sense of what the Irish LGBTQ community is like you know yeah um I like that um I suppose like then all of this stuff does kind of then tie into why mother is there as well I suppose as Mm -hmm. in like a LGBT space yes I mean and you know what better place for us all to then finish our week but on the dance floor having a bop um yeah no we i mean i um i love dancing um and i love going out dancing and so um it is no surprise that you know that i'm really happy to be able to to work on mother and organize mother um and you know and and we know that historically um, LGBT dance spaces and you know social spaces nighttime spaces have been incredibly important because that is where um, you know recently I was I did a piece for RT Culture website about um, how how love sensation evolved and essentially I kind of brought it way bigger than just mother and I sort of explained that basically since probably before but certainly since Stonewall um 
queer nightclub spaces have been absolutely pivotal in change and progress for communities because, you know, you just go and rally and advocate and protest and agitate all day. And then people would let off steam in a safe LGBT space and we'd dance with one another. And that hasn't changed. Like, we still do that. And I... I think there's such power in that and there's such joy in it because you need the balance because you can't like, you know, I think a lot of people have spoken about the kind of activist fatigue and the fact that when you're always trying to advance and and progress things, that takes a toll. And so for me, dancing and coming and meeting like-minded people and seeing yourself reflected in in a crowd is also really powerful because you kind of get a bit of perspective also it's just fun (laughs) yeah Yeah, but it's like what you were saying of like releasing balanced articles because you can't just report yeah bad things you just report yeah yeah you have to kind of live like that as well probably reminds you what you're fighting for you know like for sure that you're fighting to protect absolutely yeah yeah. Yeah, so because i just there's been a lot of talk about how um like i just i've seen a a few things about people being like oh it's like they're not necessary anymore and it's Mm. really hard to keep an lgbt night up kind of yeah the demand isn't there but i don't really know where people are getting that from (laughs) yeah and i think i mean while i think it's a great thing to say you know because it's really interesting right because I think it gets really complicated when you say because some people sometimes people say well you know what we what we really need to get to is a place a time where we don't need any labels and also where we don't need a gay bar you you know all and that's all really admirable uh I guess what I mean is that I don't I still feel that we need queer spaces yeah. and I don't even when I mean in my opinion I, I kind of think I get where you're going like I think queer culture or LGBT culture whatever you want to call it is the same as any other type of culture and yeah that I don't really necessarily want to get to a place where that isn't there no mm. yeah like the like, idea, like the, the of, idea like, of assimilation and yeah dismissing sort of yeah. I, I don't especially because assimilation generally means whatever the current dominant one is just Yes. takes over you know yeah. the same way that like say like American culture is taking over mm-hmm. like you know in terms of TV and film like you don't want that to happen where we all just become basically straight people you know yeah. like you know it's like you can recognize that there's a place for difference and a place for for sure yeah so it, things, but yeah. but it becomes you don't want it's a really it's a funny conversation to have because while yes there's a there's a broad sense that if we were all to just be a bit more chill labels would be less important and then we can just party in a more fluid way but actually people are still going to want to hang out with people that are broadly like them and yes I just I, to, to agree with what you were saying Emily that I I believe that we do have a very specific culture as LGBT mm. folk as queer folk and I wouldn't like to see that um be erased or be kind of eradicated because it still has such value and power um so yeah yeah and I think as well like being in like a nightclub environment even like sometimes you kind of see the worst of people and like if people aren't respectful like you know there's a lot of people who like like we would say straight people who like act like they understand and then they go to the George and they're just like staring at like lesbians kissing or you know there's like that kind of element you know it's like someone give out to me the other day that she went to the George with her two gay friends good for her Um, and then like complained about how um, it was way too full on and there was gay people kissing everywhere they were like all nearly riding each other. What was going on there? And I was like, don't oh, go. Honey. I just, I just was like, don't go again. 
that's not for you. Yeah, <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, so like it's just like it, the George is great, but also like I know one of my friends describes it as a gay themed bar instead of like a gay bar. Oh, that like, is terrifyingly <laughs> true. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. So like I kind of feel like that kind of sums it up that it's like you know, you don't really feel like it's your space, you know, in the same mm. sense that somewhere like Mother, Mother or even Spinster. Yeah, like Street even Street 66, 66 like, you know, yeah. that they you know, you just feel like I don't particularly feel like being stared at uh, mm. when I'm just going about my daily life, you, you know. So yeah, like people aren't as prone to walk into those spaces as they would be into the George, I suppose. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. Well, because of course the George is, um, it is like the shiny, shiny beacon of gayness in the city. So of course that is the that's the entry level for anyone. Yeah. In in terms of that, I mean that's really disappointing that she didn't really take stock of <laughs> the context of where she was you know yeah um, and again like has she ever been to coppers since she's seen what people get up to there like no, i'm right. just like you know it's not just us like hypersexual gays you know pot kettle fabulous <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. but yeah no but like i suppose it is like it's great to have acceptance but sometimes it can be like acceptance but without that much like i suppose it's top like, behind it, it? Kind yeah of similar to the term of like i'm colorblind yeah and then, and then the idea of not seeing race and it's like but you should mm. yeah for it, sure it, because like also by saying you're oh i don't see labels i don't see color you're, you're erasing a part of someone's identity and it's like yeah. you just don't see it because you don't want to have that conversation yeah, or, yeah. Or, or and also i mean largely it's lies because you know as panty famously said in her noble call speech how on earth would any of us not be homophobic because we have been raised in homophobia. So mm. you to say, oh, like it's impossible for an LGBT person to have that prejudice or have that uh, kind of outlook is, you know, it's nonsense. Um, so, yeah, we have to sort of acknowledge. I think acknowledging blind spots is is, yeah. is the first kind of step um, because, yeah, it's... Actually, I think that's, that's a good point. Actually, it's important to acknowledge that we do... Like as much as it's like don't tell the straight people, but like we are all internally homophobic to different degrees. For sure. But like I'll have that and being in that kind of nightclub fun space and seeing everybody else around you express in different ways, get with each other, all this type of stuff can actually be liberating in that sense mm-hmm. of like actually just feeling better about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean we like the community it is um it's fantastic and there's loads of solidarity but there's also lots of like not so brilliant behaviour like trans misogyny or just plain old straight up misogyny from our from our gay brothers so we all carry sort of a wheelhouse of nonsense ideas that have been that got in there at some point and even if you know it sometimes you can behave in a way where you know so to, to go back to your friend she was there with her gay friends but even though her friends are gay, she somehow found this kind of overt expression was overwhelming to her. But so what? It's okay for her friends, but not the rest of the bar or whatever. So we have to sort of, we just check in with ourselves and go, am I straying into weird prejudice Yeah, and I think as well, something about 
alcohol and late at night brings out a lot of the subconscious stuff in people as well you know so like you want to be in a space where you feel like you're going to be safe because like you know things like people can get more aggressive like it can be a bit more dangerous yeah, like in that situation yeah I, again i've seen a lot of um criticism recently which i think is valid of there not being enough actual lgbt spaces that aren't alcoholic at the same time yeah because some people don't feel comfortable in those spaces, even independent of like the risk of homophobia or whatever. So like, I suppose there is kind of an emphasis on like late night spaces. But yeah, but at the same time, when you are in that context, you want to feel like you're safe, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, actually, to go back and not to keep, I don't, should we keep talking about the George? I actually don't know if that's like, <laughs> if we're allowed to actually do that. Um, yeah, well, there, I want to double keep, check with the legal guy. Say, but yeah. You could say, um, the just, G. <laughs> that a, certain place on George Street. A gay bar or yeah. whatever. You, know, yeah. you could anonymize it. It is too late. What What do you want to, what did you I want to I was just going to say, I've just noticed uh, Rise, I'm not sure if it's just me. I don't think it is because I've seen some other stuff of just um, actually being harassed while you're in there. Has I, I feel like I've been going there since mm. I was 18, which is about three years now, which, you know, obviously is that not, not that long compared to some people. I do go quite frequently, <laughs> despite my complaints. Um, <laughs> so, I've yeah. just noticed like in the last like six, even six months that like I've been harassed way more than I ever had been before. By other LGBT folk or? No, actually the few times it's happened to either me and my girlfriend or friends it seems to be straight men that are in there on their own. It's been very yeah, strange. Yeah, actually, I've I've, noticed that I get hit on a lot by straight men and they do seem to be there on their own and it's just very bizarre. Mm. Like, it's kind of... I think it's... Well, again, I'm quoting someone else so I can't remember to credit them, but it was like that, like, the gay gay men and women were there first and then straight women realised that they were less likely to be, like you know, harassed if they went there. So they started going to mainstream gay bars and then the straight men realised that there were straight women there. So then they started going there and then defeats the purpose of having this exclusive space. Well, and also, with, yeah. let's be real, LGBT folk are just more fun. Yeah. So you can't blame people for wanting to party with us guys, you know? Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, I mean, I'm like, it's grand for the straight girls because you're kind of like, okay, yeah, even being a straight girl in a straight bar can be pretty rough sometimes. But then it's like the fact that it's like, now it's gotten to the point where lads are coming to the George or whatever looking for straight women and mm. you know you just have to be like go away yeah, <laughs> um, you know yeah like it's just um, yeah I definitely have noticed that a lot more recently anyway yeah um, so yeah I guess it's just kind of like again that whole thing of like you want acceptance and you want like you know straight people to like us or whatever but at the same time you're like we yeah. want our own thing yeah <laughs> we want them to That's vote in our favour um, it probably is one of the biggest things that maybe splits like across the community is whether you want assimilation or you don't and I guess as long as we're I suppose yeah we've gotten Maref out of the way so maybe we don't really care what they think anymore we're like <laughs> they've served their purpose now they can leave <laughs> it's not illegal anymore to be gay yeah, it's yeah. to get married we don't need their we don't need their approval anymore we're like yeah <laughs> we're past that um, but yeah but I suppose uh, I had something I wanted to say and then I was just thinking oh those damn straight people <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> Oh, don't get me started. This is a straight passion podcast. Um, but yeah, but I suppose um, kind of coming back to GCN, like you were saying, like everyone has their own like experiences and perspectives. And even if you are within the community, you might kind of be quite limited. So I guess the nice thing about GCN is maybe you're coming because you want to meet other like lesbians or whatever, but you're learning more about trans people mm-hmm. or vice versa. Yeah. So I guess that's what's nice about having it all under one umbrella rather than having 
I know a gay magazine a lesbian magazine a trans magazine a bi magazine mm. like yeah. to have them all together serves that purpose as well yeah. yeah oh for sure and I love that about our scene um, I like that even the way we party is much more mixed because like the bigger Ireland's not big enough yeah <laughs> but, not big but enough. when you go yeah but when you go to bigger countries and bigger cities there's often you know there's a gay bar and then there's a dyke bar but actually increasingly there isn't a dyke bar because they're all closing because of gentrification mm. Um, but uh, yeah th- so they're depending on this population size, the scene can be a lot more segregated. And actually something I've always valued and loved about Ireland and Dublin particularly, obviously, but but Ireland in general, is because there it's a smaller population, we tend to, to mix it up. We tend to, to have more diverse ranges of friends. We tend to, because actually... Um, there's no point in not like as you say there's not enough people to sort of sustain one type of bar for one type of person and then for the magazine I've always loved evolving our consciousness of that and sort of saying there's a power in us really um, advocating for and and showing real diversity because I find that even within the community you know if you don't have a trans pal you might not understand the challenges um, and and the sort of well even the reality of being a trans person in Ireland um, whereas hopefully if you read the magazine and if you look at the website you're more likely to kind of encounter a story that you're not as familiar with yeah. or even to be honest I know lots of um, gay guys who don't really have any female friends yeah. like certainly and you know and you see that a lot where or even like uh, you know groups of lesbians who don't really have any male friends so it's kind of good to keep ourselves out there and and keep ourselves open to lots of different potentials you know because obviously actually th- this is something I've, I've just thought now um and thinking of like other people who we've kind of spoken to about this and obviously this this podcast started because we were like <clears throat> lesbians and bi women and whoever else need a space to talk about our own specific cultures and stuff like that but I think and Jer and Sonia said this when we talked to them about how when they were doing uh, their documentary they asked people how they identified as the first question because they thought it would be the easiest question to ask and it ended up being hours of description Mm -hmm. and it's sort of seeming like despite the fact that we might have like joint labels and stuff it doesn't really seem like anyone identifies actually the same way even if you use the same word, like I, I could use the word lesbian and so could mm-hmm. Orla, but that could mean completely different things to mm-hmm. both of us. Yeah. And and when we talk about our identity, could talk about it completely differently. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And also teaching, learning as a community that you shouldn't and mustn't and why would you even want to, but don't be judging people by what you perceive that they are or they might be or because you don't know and unless you engage in a respectful conversation or they tell you their story as in in the pages of the magazine or or online then we really shouldn't be jumping to any conclusions and and I think that's also really important because you know the way when you get kind of random uh, homophobia in the streets like someone's like faggot or dyke Um, I do yeah (laughs) well you know I always I always laugh at that because the, you know, and, and I'm not the first person to say this, but the, the sort of like ridiculousness of your first thing in your head is often, well, yeah, like, so you'd be like, well, Obviously. well done. Yeah. OK, so, you know, but actually what's increasingly true is that and this is, you know, also kind of 
a good and bad thing or whatever. But like somebody can be called so somebody can experience homophobia or transphobia without being LGBT or trans. So the the kind of act is uh, indiscriminate in that someone may choose to read you a certain way, but they mightn't be right. But you still have had to put up with the encounter, you know, because mm. um, I uh, I wonder, should I share the story? I wonder if my pal Yolanda. So this is a shout out to Yolanda. And she is the lady who works in the laundrette that I go to. I gave Yolanda um, a pride bag from Ikea because she liked it. So the next time I went up, I just gave it to her. And um, so I've been going to that laundrette for ages with my girlfriend. So, you know, I'll leave the bags in and then Sarah will collect them or vice versa. And so Yolanda said to me a couple of weeks ago, can I ask you something? I said, yes. She said, the person, you know, Sarah, who you come here with, is she your partner? And I said, she is. And I was curious as to, I mean, I presumed that she had presumed, but it was interesting that she was asking. And she said, well, can I ask another question? I said, yes, you can. And she explained that um, she had been walking to work and she had her IKEA pride bag. And this man really aggressively started verbally assaulting her and calling her an effing lesbian and all this stuff. And it was oh quite, God, yeah. he, you know, she recounted what had happened and he was being quite a lot. And um, so she, I said, I'm so sorry. That's horrible. You know, just randomly being accosted in the street and she just you know she was so her face she was so shocked telling me and so like oh and and then this and what she was explaining is that the next time she went to go out with the bag she really thought about not bringing it and then realized no actually then he'd win but I'm gonna bring the bag anyway and it was just really interesting to see someone who clearly had not ever experienced homophobia um, and who isn't actually an LGBT person, as it happens. Um, but she got this kind of horrible insight because she, you know, she, and that's why she was laughing. She said, you know, I'm I've got this big giant husband at home. Like, you know, what the hell? And I was sort of saying, well, you know, it's. You, he perceived that you looked a certain way or, or yeah. whatever. So and that clicked something in his brain. Right, exactly. Yeah. So it didn't it didn't matter that Yolanda has a husband. You know, she, she became a a a, a, sig, a a symbol of something for him, you know. Yeah. Um so that was interesting to to me to have someone recount something that is sadly a bit quite familiar to me but recounted in such a shocked manner she was like oh my goodness you know yeah, and yeah. I kind of feel like as well sometimes you tell a story like that to straight people and they just would think you're exaggerating as oh yeah like I a gay had, person you know this is where I was going to go I had a similar experience um, now this is probably at the start of the summer I don't know a few months ago um, one of my really good friends in our friend group she's the only straight one really and we were in street one night and it was a quiet night it was during the week I think and she went outside with her other friend for a smoke and they were like horribly abused by this man who were like kind of they both like are quite feminine and he obviously had tried to come on some or something was drunk on the street anyways said awful things that I'm not going to recount but she came back in and was like basically just like in shock and was like like you tell me that this happens all the time she was saying like like and you are always telling me that homophobia is alive and well and like that this stuff happens to you all the time but she was like I just didn't connect how she basically was like I thought you were over exaggerating mm. it, yeah. and it's just like yeah no <sighs> unfortunately not yeah, yeah. Um, oh god but yeah so 
And then I suppose the fact as well that like there's no like hate crime legislation and things like that. So like the fact that like the nature of that sort of verbal abuse or whatever isn't recognised as different mm. to just some random guy who couldn't get with someone, you know, it's like it's just um it kind of shows that people just don't really understand how like it's an extra step further mm-hmm. when it's about like your identity in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why the um, if I'm sure you encountered it or hopefully you did the call it out campaign mm. that was run by um Tenny and the University of Limerick, um, was to basically it had two jobs as a campaign. One was to encourage, actually, their main goal was to encourage actual LGBT people and queer folk to articulate and be able to sort of claim and own when they had experienced homophobia, transphobia, um, both at very small levels like microaggressions, but then up to the big stuff. And, you know, part of uh, I think the problem is that often we we will kind of minimize and say, oh, you know, and I mean, you know, and, and often people say, oh, but sure, he's just dope or it gets written off in this really particular way, which actually is very minimizing and erasing of the experience because, you know, if you were the person who experienced it, you do understand that that person was picking up or was was uh kind of coming at you for this one particular thing and then the other part of the campaign was also about say you know having wider society or non-LGBT folk understand that these things do happen because people don't think you know they don't think um, that they're homophobic but they may be homophobic really easily so they don't think like calling something gay is Mm. homophobia but actually it is or you know or jokingly using the f word or whatever um but and i just thought that was a great campaign because it was sort of operating on talking to both the community and the the wider society which is important but yeah we need hate crime legislation yeah yeah and yeah and even just things like innocuous things like calling stuff gay or that kind of thing like you know, a lot of those people are the same people who like go to the George with their gay friend or something, or and you think, know. oh, I have gay friends, I'm not homophobic, and then come back to me and say something really homophobic. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, oh, yeah. It's just or like hideously misogynist gay men who think they're not misogynist because they have a a, a girlfriend, you know, and you're you kind of like actually, yeah. you could still be a giant misogynist, yeah. um. Unfortunately, so you know it's 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 about us all. Like, and again, I I go back to, is that the blind spot? Does that person think they're looking at their friend going, oh, I can't be that thing because you are that thing. So, but they don't. So they're not. Um, maybe they're not reflecting on behavior or attitudes or or even speech or action you know in a way that would allow them to go oh maybe that was a bit of a like maybe I was being a little bit misogynist or you know whatever because I think as well um it's people for some reason they just I don't know what the mental block is and maybe it's to do with I don't know people just really don't want to admit it for some reason even though the best thing they could probably do is admit it mm. and then you could talk about that and move on yeah. or work on it or something oh, but, but they a, just won't yeah. it's a, that, that type of thing of like I'm going to dig my heels in now because I think if I admit it we're going to have a problem or something yeah and it Whereas is actually, really it's hard like, I already know mm-hmm. so it's actually like the, the, it yeah. can't go any worse because I already know that you feel this way mm-hmm. from what you've just said so 
Yeah, and I think I think it's really people in general people struggle to it's hard to admit when we're wrong because we feel vulnerable and we feel you know exposed and maybe we feel oh actually I'm a good person and now you're going to think I'm not a good person but actually it's incredibly powerful if you can and if you can go you know what I messed up I said something really off the I mean for example to use a personal example when I was a younger lesbian I had a really unfortunate period phase of being quite biphobic and it was it's not something I have any pride in now and I don't particularly like to mention it much but I feel in this context it's helpful because I had to essentially I had to acknowledge that I was behaving and relating to people in a biphobic way Um, because essentially I was dating someone who was also dating someone of the opposite sex and I had a real problem and she called me out on it she said you know you would not be behaving in the same manner if I was dating another girl etc and and look not unfortunately I'd love to say one one conversation solved me on my biphobia because I had obviously taken on loads of ideas about bi people from my community and I had gone oh well you're all x or y or whatever and it took me a while to understand you may not be a bi person but you have to respect other people are and particularly if you want to date them um and so it was like a I I I am sorry to say it was a slower process than I would necessarily like to admit now but I got there thankfully um but that was something that really took time because I I made all the jokes oh you're just on the bus to gay town or you know you do, you can't make up your mind or you're greedy all those hideous minimizing nonsense stereotypes that are not true um, and are really unfair and so it's that thing and it's the same thing I think with you know um, that we didn't just all wake up not being transphobic so like in the community particularly people had to have a journey of understanding and going oh what trans is this okay and you know so it's it's like which is still very much ongoing right and even now with the the element of talking about the trans binary and then also the the everything else right like the the trans binary experience versus the trans non-binary experience of course like even within those two identities have issues relating to each other for sure of course and and that's i mean for me as well one of the interesting things with the mag is us trying to really mind and be careful that we're not being super binary or we're not making you know uh kind of assumptions based on anyone's identification um because and i i think that really excites me though because i think that there's so much positive change and movement that can come and i think particularly again not to play into any um weird stereotype or fetishization but i um think trans folk are often trailblazers in that they are often really uh, questioning and pushing boundaries where we need them pushed also you know yeah, um, I, I don't yeah. think that's I sure, think that's yeah, a fact like, I think yeah. started by yeah. trans women you yeah, know that, yeah. right? everything else yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah. so there's a real for me I I I you know I, I love my trans brothers and sisters and non-binary folk and, and I think that you know they are uh, they I mean and that's the other problem 
trans people we know suffer more on loads of levels in loads of ways um, and so you know we owe it um, in a kind of a solidarity but also just in, in the very na- nature and essence of community we have to kind of I think first the first thing to do is to understand that and then think how can I support it you know yeah and I think as well a point I was thinking of there was that uh, sometimes it can be like it's a lot on say trans people to have to educate their friends right. personally mm-hmm. so what can be great about a magazine like GCN is it's almost like a neutral space mm-hmm. that can ex- introduce these topics and it's you know it's less loaded than someone one of your friends saying oh you're being transphobic you know because yeah. you get defensive and you get like argumentative mm-hmm. whereas if it's just an article you're reading and it's like oh this person uses they them pronouns you yeah. normalise so, it and, you know you're not being when accused. you're reading something or hearing a story like um I this happened to me recently in terms of how I thought about sex work and stuff like that. Of you can literally hear one one like statement that so succinctly sums something up that your whole opinion can change, and yeah. I think that can happen in in writing because there's a lot of I suppose thought put behind it, and yeah. also it's sharing like it could be someone sharing their own experience again because mm. the people most qualified to talk about an experience are those who experience it right yeah and, and also yeah. the 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 i i completely agree with you that i think it's hideously lazy when people suddenly meet a trans person and then they're like well and what about and then and you're like oh, go read a book trauma for me <laughs> like google exists do not and also uh, let's not even get started on the range of inappropriate questions asked about you know transitioning and all that stuff so and in the same way that you know lesbians and and gay men and and all sorts of other folk who are queer have had to field ridiculous questions in their time and you know you you are a weird little mini ambassador for your identity when you're in a non-LGBT setting and even sometimes when you're in an LGBT setting that's like the sort of thing where you would think like you're saying that lesbians and bi women would have no no issues because you think but then there is that like I think a lot of people go through that and a lot of bisexual people talk about extreme biphobia that's kind of ignored mm-hmm. oh mm-hmm. and and because act- people are so just trying to defend themselves and used to defending having to defend mm-hmm. for sure and, and and again the blind spot of no no we're in the community we couldn't possibly you know be inflicting this upon you but actually it's not really or it's, you know, maybe not following that thought through or not even addressing or understanding that, oh, I have been informed by loads of stuff that is not necessarily true or correct or it's all accumulative because often we don't know, like unless you are in a certain industry or type of world where you are likely to meet lots of different types of people, often we have friend groups that look a bit like us um and and signed like us and and you know uh, and so you mightn't have met that different type of person so you will have an idea about them because even then another level is there's massive problems of racism within the lgbt community again yeah. like it, there's just so many levels mm-hmm. but again i think gcn do quite well on that front as well of just trying to keep everything well thank you yeah I mean as I said this is like a um for anybody who is interested in if there's something you don't see um and there's something you want to see or there's things that we haven't done a lot on I mean you know we are it it, we are super open like we our doors are open we want to hear from people we want 
we want a really diverse range of voices and types of people to be featured because you know we know that we have a really lovely fun exciting diverse um community um but yeah and it's also trying to do that in a non-tokenistic way um Mm -hmm. because that's also just as problematic if you're like oh god let's find a queer person of color because we have to you know i think it's about doing it in a way that is doesn't fall into that trap either um, because I would feel weirder potentially at being tokenistic than I would at being um, kind of not diverse Um, and I guess that's the thing as well like that even though everyone is subjective and has their own perspective on issues when you can gather them together in a paper at least if this person's being subjective there's someone else who's balancing them out and you can get like Mm -hmm. the diversity of opinions and it's also when you put the diversity of opinions together that you can also see the patterns Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Which but it's like it's well. not like this one token lesbian is speaking for all lesbians. If there's three other lesbians in the same issue who are also talking about and a similar all di- issue. maybe different types of lesbians, yeah, 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 different generations and different backgrounds. So like that, if at least when you have lots of different people together and not just having one from each category, you know mm-hmm. that kind of way, um, that it does kind of have that effect of like, and again, like that you recognize that they're not all just like homogenous yeah. lesbians who all think well, together and meet up at a lesbian which, conference you know well we all have different actually opinions. speaking of which I went to last Friday night I went to Dublin Lesbian Line's 40th birthday Legends. Oh yeah. The, it was in the tower building and it was called 40 Years Fearless and it was honestly just like shout out to those guys it was such a great event and it was so bloody heartwarming it was really great because they had a range of folk from you know quite young um, women, older women, people that aren't women or don't identify as either. Um, it was really lovely range of people. Um, one woman rec- like re-performed, um, I guess is the way. She recreated her first call on the line. Oh, wow. And yeah. yeah, it was really amazing. But what was really striking was talking or some of the older women who spoke about being around at the foundation of the line and just the cultural context in which those guys were um, being activists is just, you can't imagine. Like it was it was the late 70s, you know, even stuff, even the idea of women without a man as in a husband or a father procuring a bank account, getting a phone line. Like these were all massively... Um, momentous things for these women to do and then never mind being an out lesbian in 1979 Ireland and saying I'm a lesbian and I have a girlfriend or I'm you know it's just it makes me so proud of us I'm going oh my goodness these you know and there there was a lot of acknowledgement on the evening that we all stand on on shoulders so those women would have stood on shoulders of women before them and and similarly you guys and I we we are now you know we are standing in a context that was really fought for hard by these absolutely wonderful and amazing women this is this is what like we were talking about with Mary McAuliffe who's a historian and she like went through like back generations like to be like there's always people chipping away yeah Yeah. and and it just but particularly because I think that and that's why it's so awesome that you guys are doing this podcast often um when we think of LGBT narratives it'll it will it can have a tendency to look male and gay and actually there's such rich tapestry of stories from 
lesbian, bi and, and you know, trans uh, women who, you know, who don't, it doesn't get documented as quickly or as fastidiously or, or whatever. So we must, you know, now that we can, we must. Yeah, should we leave it there? I think we covered a good bit of ground, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was like she took a lot of turns. <laughs> a lot of turns. I know, we have to just make sure, make sure when you listen back and edit, don't make a sound too heterophobic. Yeah, oh, oh, that's a God. consistent problem. That we <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> oh no. my God. A consistent. <laughs> oh, Do you have Jesus. many straight listeners? I would not think so, unless it's my mom. Oh, I think which, my, my brother loves, listens as well. She yeah, then he it though. Yeah. Trish is like, yeah, fuck them. <laughs> oh, cute. I think most straight people who listen to this kind of get where we're coming from, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I don't yeah. think we said anything too incendiary. Anyway. I'd more worry about the George coming for us, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> With different But to be fair, um, I know in our very first episode, Emily slags off Ellen DeGeneres. Um, and then. Was I wrong? No. No, you, you were weren't. proven right no. last week. Yeah. Um. So and I was the one defending her, and I'm like, okay, yeah, no. Um, but yeah, yeah. So you yeah. Actually, know. would you like to formally but apologize? But I think when when people, when I'm people... sorry, Emily. I'm sorry. You're always right. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Great. So just before we wrap up, then, do you have anything you'd like to promote your plug or anything like that? Well, I would firstly like to say thank you so much for inviting me and having me on. I had a lovely conversation with you both. Um, I would like to say, yes, um, GCN is print publication. We are out monthly and you get them in uh, the magazines in all your favourite um, LGBT and not lgbt haunts. Um, Dee Fontaine's. <laughs> shout out to Dee Fontaine's. Um, yeah. and, and actually, if you, if you are somewhere not in Dublin and you'd like to stock the magazine in your local resource centre or cafe or anywhere that you think would be interested in taking them, please do get in touch with us because we are a free magazine and we will go wherever we are wanted. Um, if you live online and you've preferred digital vibes, then uh, we are on GCN.ie and we're on all the social medias. Um, and one other thing just to say is that we have a really um, healthy, open submission policy. So if you'd like to write for the magazine or pitch some um, features, ideas, fashion shoots, photography, um, sky's the limit. Just again, get in touch with us. Um, yeah. Thanks so much. That's great. So yeah, so this has been Lisa Connell and uh, yeah, I'm Orla Keevney. I'm Emily O'Connell. And this has been In Abla, a lesbian plus podcast.